You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 102. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 102. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering super mom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. How are you? We are right in the midst of summer. I hope it's going well and you're enjoying these some lazy days, some nice relaxing days. I just got back from my favorite place, Costa Rica. It was amazing as always, but this time, this trip was very different. I went with my daughter and my friend and her daughter, and we stayed at a volunteer camp and picked up garbage out of the ocean. So it was a vacation with a purpose, and it was really cool, I have to admit. It was, I didn't really know what to expect because I'd never done it before very humble living situation, but a very cool experience. And the friend I went with, she was just the perfect travel companion. And she and I met when our firstborn babies were just a few weeks old or a few months old. And she moved away when our kids were, I don't know, She we lived in the same town for maybe three or four years. And then she moved a few states away, and we just ended up getting to go to Costa Rica together. So you just never know. Those friendships that you make when the babies are little, you know? You never know when they might resurface. And she was the perfect person to go with me on this adventure with our teenagers. So today's question is kind of about summer and kind of this post-pandemic world that we're now living in. So today's question comes from Sherry, and she writes, Dear Tori, everything is opening back up again, and I'm excited but a bit overwhelmed. I've got three kids, 8, 10, and 13, and all of a sudden, there are so many choices. Summer camp, science camp, sports camp, swim teams, youth groups at church, invitations from friends to birthday parties, backyard barbecues, camping trips, etc. My head is spinning. I've asked my kids to choose, but they don't seem particularly excited about anything. I want my kids out of the house and off their devices, but they just want to stay home. How do I prioritize which extracurricular activities are most important? Should I choose something that they're good at or not good at? Should I put them in the same activities or different activities from each other? You know, they lost touch with friends over the pandemic. So I can't just put them into the same activities as their friends because they don't really have anyone they care about seeing. But they need to make friends. I wish this wasn't my decision. I wish they were showing more initiative. But if anything is going to happen, it's falling on my shoulders. I would love your take on how to choose some extracurricular activities so I feel confident I'm doing the right thing for them. Sherry. Okay. Well, I'll start with the parent education answer. And this is kind of just my advice, I guess, typical parenting advice. 
But I really can relate to this, Sherry. I really I remember feeling stuck in a similar situation when I was trying to decide the right type of school system for my firstborn. So we'd never been, you know, new parents, never done the school thing again. Me being sort of an education junkie, <laughs> I had researched. I looked at Waldorf, Montessori, homeschooling, unschooling, Sudbury, Catholic, private, charter, public schools. Like I looked at it all and I read about it and it was just sort of a, I guess, a hobby for me. I love different educational systems and learning about them, but it did not help my head from spinning. My son at this age was a very eager learner. He didn't need to go to school to teach him things. He was already learning and motivated on his own. So given the choice, he probably would have opted out and just stayed home. So I was kind of in a similar boat. You are with the extracurricular, but with school. And so I felt like a lot of pressure sitting on my shoulders. I wanted to choose a school system that was right for him. I knew I would need to feel confident that it was the right thing if I was going to drag him out of bed every morning and listen to him complain about it. So I love your question, Sherry. I think it's a great one. How do I prioritize what's most important when there are so many choices? So when I was in your shoes with the school system, I started with the big question. What is the meaning of life is what the conversation ended up getting to with my husband. When we're trying to think of schools, what's most important? What are the priorities? Well, what the heck is the whole purpose on being here anyways on this planet? And so after much discussion with my husband, we decided that the meaning of life, our own opinion, is to experience experiences. So if you believe, like I do, that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. The reason for being here is to experience all that life has to offer. The highs, the lows, everything in between, and to be fully present and aware of yourself while you are experiencing it. So when you ask what extracurricular activities are most important, I would look at it in terms of top four priorities. Priority number one, experiencing contrasting experiences. So I think we're here on earth for this limited time. You might as well experience a wide variety of things that life has to offer to help you choose the areas you want to kind of specialize in and spend most of your time in. Priority number two, helping your child feel a part of a larger community. Priority number three, look for things that your child might be interested in, even though they may not be expressing interest. They might be dropping hints that you're not really noticing or seeing. And then priority number four is to choose something that you enjoy. Okay, so let's talk about experiencing experiences. So kids who are 8, 10, and 13 need to have a variety of experiences to help them learn more about who they are, what they like, and to be able to relate to other people in their community. And to also to not be afraid to, you know, to not be afraid of trying new things because our brains are wired to be wary of new things. And so the more new things that your children experience, the less fears that they're likely to have. 
So I suggest letting them dabble in competitive sports, creative arts, unstructured summer camps, as well as structured scouting activities, like just a little bit of everything, kind of looking for varying experiences, I think is great. If the activity is so uncomfortable for them or so difficult, so new, so outside their comfort zone that it causes your child to shut down, then they're not getting the benefit of the experience of it, right? If it's so uncomfortable that they just shut down and have to use their coping skills, then they're not really experiencing it. So, The way to think about it is we want it to be right on the edge of their comfort zone, this area of growth, so that it's different enough to grow the brain, to experience some new experiences so that they aren't afraid of it, they have some familiarity with it, but also comfortable enough where they can be present to experience it. All kids are going to protest going outside their comfort zone. (laughs) Oh, most of them will. Anyways, I I think we're wired to be wary of novelty. They're going to complain. They're going to avoid before they go because we're all wired to seek immediate pleasure and avoid the unfamiliar. So like that's pretty typical. So don't listen to them before they go to a new activity. You want to listen to them after they get back. So let's say your child is signed up for soccer and every day it's soccer practice time rolls around and your kid starts complaining, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Don't listen to that. Watch how they are after soccer. When you pick them up from this experience, what's their demeanor? Do they seem relaxed, happy? Do they seem fully alive? Then it's a good experience for them. If they still didn't like it afterwards, then maybe it's too much outside their comfort zone or just too uncomfortable and you can dial it back so that they can fully experience their experiences. Okay, priority number two, I think, is to connect to a larger community, especially after COVID. A lot of us have lost our community. We have, we're connected to the whole globe, but we're not connected to our small little communities. So I think that's an important priority right now. After all this social distancing, kids, they might need to learn how to engage with strangers again. You know, they, this is a, even if they already had this skill set, it might have gone dormant and you'll have to relearn how to engage with acquaintances. Um, they will most likely protest this. (laughs) So choose the activities that will help them feel a part of a larger community. So if you attend church for an hour once a week, then joining a youth group associated with that church can help them feel connected to that community, you know, making it smaller, making it more intimate so that they feel a part of the larger community. If a lot of the neighborhood kids are swimming at the community pool, then maybe consider joining the community pool or the swim team or swim classes through the that so they can get to know the other neighbor kids. If 
your daughter's classmates all go to this one competitive dance studio, then maybe you want to consider looking into signing her up also so that she can feel a part of the larger community. However, if your daughter's friends are into dance, but your daughter is into geocaching, then helping her find her people that are also interested in the things she's interested in and helping her feel a part of that community could be a huge gift to her. So if your son is an artist who loves to create, then introducing him to a larger community of artists could give him glimpses into a world that maybe he'd like to be a part of someday. So I think priority number two is thinking about helping your children feel a part of a larger community. We want them to know that there are people out there doing really cool things and nice people that they can trust and feel safe because after a year of withdrawing from that, it's going to seem scary to hang out with like other people's families and other adults and kids they haven't met before. And so we want to think about making that more comfortable for them, in my opinion. All right, so let's go to priority number three, looking for things your child might be interested in. I know Sherry said that her kids weren't interested in or expressing much interest in anything, but you can look for signs. So my daughter was watching a documentary about cleaning up plastics in the ocean and setting up man-made coral reefs. And she just made a one-sentence offhanded comment like, I'd like to do that someday. Well, that was all I needed. <laughs> I researched, I found this organization called Mar Blue where they pick up plastics out of the ocean. And it was in my favorite country. And so I'm like, let's sign her up. Like it was just a one-line thing and I ran with it. So pay attention when they say things like, oh, I'd like to do that someday, or that looks like fun. You know, I wanted her to have this experience to help her decide what she wanted to major in, if she might like to run a nonprofit someday, and to meet other people who are passionate about helping the environment. There was a lot of things to gain from this one experience of picking trash up out of the ocean. So taking a tiny little interest and then experiencing a little bit of it is a great thing to do when your kids are these ages of 8, 10, and 13. And so, as you get, mamas might know, the best part of when you do something that is your child's idea or they say, oh, that looks like fun, it's harder for them to argue with it. Even when it's the night before, you know, you're, she's leaving, she's nervous, feeling uncertain about what to expect, what to wear, what the other volunteers are going to be like. It's hard to complain because she knows I did it because she mentioned that it sounded like fun to her. So even when she's washing her own dishes outside in the dark, she can only complain so much because it was kind of her idea to begin with. So priority number three is to look for things that your child might be interested in so that they feel some attachment to the idea so that when they get nervous, when it gets uncomfortable, when there's a lot of novelty involved, your kid's going to know like it was my idea to begin with. So listen for subtle comments your kids make. That looks like fun. You know, notice which YouTube channels they watch, which video games they play. Ask them why they like that. Pay attention. 
get some signs of what it is they're yearning for. Where do they get jealous? What do they obsess over? What, what do they get in trouble for in school is a really good thing to ask. When school resumes, maybe hard during COVID, but when school's back in session, if they're willing to get in trouble for it, it is key to their essence and they need to make sure they're pursuing it, whether it's talking or getting up out of their seat or not working well with groups because they have their own creative vision they want to put out into the world, whatever it is, pay attention. What do they get in trouble for? All these signs that show up can help you choose activities that are aligned with their interests. Priority number four is to choose something that you enjoy. If your kids aren't showing interest in anything in particular, it is absolutely okay to choose the activity you enjoy. Just make sure that it's something you enjoy now as far as the role of mom and the role you're going to be playing. So it's very common for parents to put their kids, let's say, into a sport that they loved growing up. But you can see these parents on the sidelines. They find watching their child play the same sport that they were really good at is a bit torturous for them. So just because you enjoyed it as a kid, watching your kid play may not be all that much fun. So make sure that you enjoy being the parent of a child who's involved in this activity. So, you know, some parents think, oh, I'll sign my kid up for baseball because you know, the neighbor kids are doing it. And, it, you know, I enjoyed it when I was a kid. And then you realize that it's baseball is very disruptive to evening routines and family dinners and like trying to have any other schedule because the games, you know, the timing of the games is so uncertain. And so that might not work for you. And it's okay to consider yourself when choosing activities for your kids. If you love being a part of the swim team community with bingo nights and camping trips, great, sign your kids up. <laughs> if you love traveling for weekend long volleyball tournaments in other cities, awesome. But if you prefer to sit in your car and read a book for an hour a week while your kids take a gymnastics class, then that's okay too. You can do what works for you. Just like moms in the animal kingdom, our main goal is to encourage our little chickadees to fly the nest. We're raising adults here. So every time your child leaves the house, to go to the pool, to go to the pitch, to go to the dojo, the court, whatever. We are doing our job encouraging independence. Every time your child builds a relationship with a coach, a teacher, a minister, anyone, goes on vacation with another family, even goes to have dinner at another family's house. They're learning so much. They're learning how to be on their own. They're learning that the world is a safe place and that there are many people that they can count on to look after them. So today's life coaching answer, what gets in our way from knowing which activities to sign our kids up for is number one, I think our desire to protect them from negative emotions. Number two, our desire to avoid dramatic pushback and complaining. And number three, not knowing what we want. So just like our kids, we also like to seek immediate pleasure and avoid discomfort. 
Of course, we don't want to deal with waking them up, getting them off their devices, making them do fun things that are good for them. It's annoying, but it's not a reason to avoid doing it because our job is to raise adults, experience, experiences, and connect with a larger community. So that's kind of our job as moms. And guess what? Congratulations, Mama. You are already doing it. You are a part of the Supermom community. We are all in this together, forcing our kids to become functioning adults, whether they like it or not. So when our kids aren't excited or leading the way, it's easy to feel a little lost, a little overwhelmed, to not know how to prioritize. We spent so many years suppressing our own wants that we don't even know which activity seems most fun to us. So our default often is to go into protection mode of like, oh, but I don't want my kids to feel left out. I don't want my kids to be the only one who's not a part of this group. I don't want to, whatever. We can go into protection. I don't want them to have to feel uncomfortable. I don't want them to feel, you know, whatever. So like we can that protection mode is an obstacle that gets in our way of we think, well, we don't want them to experience failure or embarrassment or exclusion. That can get in our way of knowing what's right because we are here to experience life and experience emotions. And that includes every emotion that we're supposed to experience embarrassment and exclusion and all these things negative emotions too. It's about being whole and not just having happy, positive, safe experiences, but sometimes getting hurt is part of life. And having that experience is what makes life worth living. So be wary of the desire to protect them from negative emotions. (laughs) Be wary of the desire to avoid the dramatic pushback and complaining because That is our job, is to push them outside their comfort zone so that they can become functioning adults who can make their way in the world without us, who can recognize that the world is a safe place. And then take some time to figure out what you want. You may have suppressed your own desires for so long that it's hard to know, but when you can know yourself, then parenting decisions become much easier. If you crave alone time, find a drop-off activity and enjoy that quiet time. If you want to get to know moms in the area, join a family-oriented activity like swim team or competitive cheerleading or a travel club sport team or something. But if you hate driving all over town, choose something nearby with easy carpooling or they can walk to. So just if your kids aren't jumping up and down to try something new, there is no harm in making them do something that works for you. Today's super bomb kryptonite is overscheduling. Now that things are opening back up, be aware of the signs of overscheduling yourself or your kids. Everyone is different. Introverts and creatives loved the mandated lockdown that COVID provided extroverted explorers like myself did not love the mandated lockdown. 
So stay attuned to your child's innate personality and what makes them feel fully alive. You're going to watch for that sensation of being fully alive. If you are an extrovert, who loves to learn new things, you might have a hard time understanding a kid who needs time alone in their room to connect with their own creative ideas and express themselves creatively. Even if your child is minimally scheduled, having to tag along to run errands, go shopping, watch big sisters, taekwondo practice, like those kinds of things can drain a kid's energy, making it harder for them to experience experiences. So you might think, well, my kid's not overscheduled. She's only in, you know, one thing. But if she gets drug around to all of big brother's things and all of mom's things, and then she might feel overscheduled. So you want to really tune into the individual personality of your kid. Here are some signs of overscheduled kids. Grumpy, moody, complaining and whining, Difficulty entertaining themselves, like saying I'm bored as soon as they get downtime. Difficulty falling asleep, getting sick a lot, stomach pains, headaches, etc. So my suggestion is now that things are opening up and it feels like, I mean, first of all, that's just, I, I think it's wonderful that you have so many social opportunities. I think that sounds great and was worth celebrating. And I'm glad you're trying to prioritize and not do them all. But here's my suggestion for you. Try scheduling in white space on the calendar. Treat it with reverence. So just as if you would sign up for gymnastics, sign up for white space on your calendar. So treat it like a class, something that's an obligation that you need to do. And it's just downtime. And maybe it's, you know, every Sunday from noon to five, maybe it's, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from six to eight, whatever, just schedule in white space with no agenda, no to-dos. Tell your kids that this is their nag-free, screen-free time. Like this is their free time. They get to do whatever they feel like doing as long as it's not a device. So because what happens with the devices is that it's giving so much input into your child's brain. It's somebody else's creative ideas coming into your child's brain rather than your child being able to access their own creative ideas or figure out what to do that they like, that they're interested in, that does not make them feel bored. And so when you have the screen time, it's somebody else's ideas. And so books are okay because it's still your imagination and it's just the different parts of the brain. If you watch the brain when you're reading a book or even listening to an audiobook, it's evoking creativity and imagination instead of taking it away where like video games and YouTube videos is someone else's creativity. So book some white space on the calendar. This is downtime for your children pump it up, make it sound really awesome. So your kids don't feel like it's a punishment. (laughs) Uh, This is your downtime too, where you don't have to respond to the demands or requests of the children. You say, kids, 
you get to do whatever you feel like doing. And so do I. I get to do what I feel like doing. You have your downtime. I have my downtime. There's no agenda. There's no to-do list. There's no guilt. If you feel, mama, like doing laundry, you can do laundry. But you just want to make sure it comes from your inner desires of what do I feel like doing in the moment, not external expectations. So we want to create some white space on the calendar where you can play and relax and your kids can too. Today's super mom power boost is to let your freak flag fly. (laughs) So in my 20s, I was a bit of a green meanie, I think they're called. I cared deeply for the environment and I would become sickened at the nonchalant attitude that some people had towards something that felt like a real and immediate crisis to me. I would sort through people's trash cans, pulling out recyclables, and get sick to my stomach if someone left their engine running while their car was idle. I refused to drink out of styrofoam or plastic bottles. Even if I was thirsty, I was not a pleasant person to be around. I was a green meanie trying to save the environment through anger, (laughs) I guess. So... When my life coach helped me undo my some these perfectionistic tendencies that I had, I learned that hate does not help people love the earth. And I didn't feel like I could help the earth from a place of love. So I just took a break from environmental causes until I could act from love instead of fear. So during this time, I became a nicer person to be around. I wasn't so judgmental or annoyed by others. I learned to go with the flow. I accepted that not everyone feels as strongly about Mother Earth as I do. So socially fitting in was what I was able to accomplish. And it was very nice to feel like I could fit in with people and enjoy their company and not be distracted by their lack of environmental concern. So when my daughter started to become passionate about the environment, I felt like this was my opportunity to step back into my passion from a place of love and not fear. So I started, we started buying bamboo toilet paper and laundry and dishwasher pods, sustainably sourced or secondhand clothing, bar soaps instead of liquids. We reduced our meat consumption by like 90%. So this felt so good. I was able to be myself without becoming an annoying, judgmental person. But when I was in Costa Rica, cleaning up the trash with other people from around the globe who were also passionate about the environment, it felt amazing that I could be my hyper uh, environmental self, like to care deeply about the planet and still be accepted by other people was like the double win. I let my freak flag fly without fear of people thinking that I was weird. I was with other people who would refuse straws if they were plastic, who insisted on bringing reusable takeout containers to restaurants, who chose veggies over meat because it reduces CO2 emissions like I was in heaven because everybody else made sure their sunscreen was reef safe, not just me. I felt free to be myself for the first time in a long time and be totally accepted. So when you're looking for extracurricular activities for your child, 
try to find a community where they can let their freak flag fly. Ask yourself, what's weird about my kid? What aspect of their personality would their peers make fun of or that some people find off-putting or annoying? And if you can, try to find a community to support that. And you can watch your child come alive with feeling accepted for their little weirdness. But don't just focus on your kid. Find a community for your own weirdness too. If your son loves competitive cheer, but you don't enjoy socializing with other moms at loud, overstimulating competitions, then be honest about it. Tell the moms, the cheer moms, that you're going to be napping in your car between one and three. Be the the one to leave the group, but do it proudly. Do it with confidence. Say, I'm not going to sit with you guys because I'm going to go take a nap. You might be surprised to find other moms following in your footsteps. But suddenly you're saying other moms are taking naps in their cars between one to three. Before you know it, you're a leader of a community of introverted cheer moms who nap. (laughs) You just never know. So let your freak flag fly and find opportunities for your kids to do the same. Today's quote of the day, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Brene Brown. Thank you, Brene. Thank you, everyone else who's listening. I hope you have a great summer and you're getting some downtime, some white space and just letting your freak flag fly. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.